Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, and I'm your fine host for today's podcast. We're going to be talking today about global missions. How are we doing? What is the state of global missions? We talked about the state of the church some podcasts back with Terry Smith. And today I'm going to be talking with Tim Crouch, who is the Vice President for Alliance Missions for the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, He's got a great responsibility in uh, helping uh, missionaries, ministry leaders working in uh, over, uh, I don't know how many countries, but a lot of countries. I know there's 700 missionaries that he's responsible for. Uh, But we're going to be talking about how we're doing in, in this area of global missions um, what, what do we need to wake up to? What do we need to understand as the world is changing? Uh, so I'm excited to have you hear what Tim has to say. It was a great conversation. So without any further uh, babbling on my end, I will go ahead and jump into that interview now. Okay, I have by Zoom uh, Tim Crouch, uh, one of the leaders in the national office with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So, Tim, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Mitch. Good morning. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks again for your willingness to do this. Um, we're going to be, uh, because of your position there and uh, my having been in this denomination for uh, my whole life, really, uh, I've always been interested and was personally involved in, in missions and global missions, global evangelism. And, um, and that's your role there at the national office. So just before we dive into discuss the state of global missions, which is what I'm titling this, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, your mm-hmm. family, what led you to do what you're doing now? Just give us a yeah. brief summary. Yeah, glad to do so. Um, Mitch, I'm like you. I've been in this uh, alliance my whole life. Uh, this denomination that you and I uh, have been part of. Uh, that's not true of my wife, Shelly. Uh, Shelly was the first believer in her family, uh, being led to the Lord in high school by some friends of hers, and found her way into the Alliance. But we met and we've served in the Alliance. Um, our family uh, lived and worked in Russia for about 15 years. Oh, that's right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And then we gave some oversight to uh, a region of the Alliance, and now it's been nine years since mm-hmm. uh, I came into this role as the vice president for Alliance Missions overall. Did you ever imagine when you started out that you would be there? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I, that's often the way it is in things. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, we follow God's calling and just keep saying yes and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and things unfold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many children do you have? Do you have any grandchildren? Yeah, we have four. Uh, we went to Russia with two of those kids and two more mm-hmm. were born during our years there. So they're all adults now, uh, living in different parts of the United States. Awesome. Well, I, lo- I love to ask the question, and and I ask this every time now, it just seems to really stir, uh, you know, people that I, that I interview. Uh, what are you most passionate about? What drives you? Uh, how different is that maybe from when when you first started ministry? Mm-hmm. Actually, Mitch, um, when I think about what I'm passionate about and what lies behind pretty much everything I do, uh, it's 
it's something that really entered my life in a clear way when I was studying in college. Mm-hmm. And it has been with me ever since. Uh, I've come to de- describe uh, this motivation, this drive of mine uh, more recently as uh, being moved by the disparity mm. of access to the gospel experienced by people around the world. And when I say that, you know, that hit me in college, it was when I was studying in college that I I think I first grappled in my mind with the fact that while uh, many, many people around the world lack opportunity to hear about Jesus, uh, most investment in Christian ministry isn't reaching that far to all mm-hmm. of those people. I know, yeah. It's concentrated in other parts of the world. And so I didn't think of it in those same terms then that I often use now, but that's really about disparity of access. And, yeah. And that's yeah. the passion that drives me in what I do. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I remember when I first was in college, I was really burdened for the lostness of people. And I, I think what you're saying is is the same thing, you know, and and I imagine it must be it must be tough as you reflect your years in Russia and and no longer, you know, being able to be there. What's the what's the state of, of missions there right now? Have, have the particularly the CMA been able to yeah. missionaries in Russia? Yeah, you know, we uh, we think often uh, about Russia and Ukraine and our friends there. Uh, we had, in the alliance, we had workers on both sides of that border before the hostilities broke out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody left for a while, but just with the concentrated nature of where fighting is going on. We actually have people back on the ground in both countries. Mm. We don't have the full contingent of people back, uh, but we do have those that um, we have seen go back to their cities. And uh, it's it's just really interesting. Uh, we used to live very close to that border mm. between the two countries uh, in our early years there. And in the churches, especially, there's a lot of affinity for one another across the border. There are a lot of relationships. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of marriages where she's from one country, he's from the other. So this whole event this year has been really kind of um, uh, a burden on our hearts. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it just reminds us how the yeah reminds us how the gospel breaks down those walls, you know, and that's, that's the, the whole purpose of, yeah. of you know, yeah, the it's been reconcile. Really pleasing to see, mm. It's been really pleasing to see the way uh, churches have mobilized on both sides of the border to yeah. just help those in need. Um, there must yeah, be a sensitive easy. part of your role. Uh, you're almost like a general in the military, you know, considering the safety of your workers and, you know, how, how you can you yeah. know, maximize the opportunities, but at the same time, consider the fact that there are real people out there yeah. in the war zones. You know, it's it's interesting. We live in a we live in a chapter of Great Commission work that uh, means we're both in a lot of hard places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, some of the work has been done in some places that maybe weren't as hard uh, it takes a lot of creativity today to be present and have meaningful impact in some mm-hmm. places. So on one hand, we're probably exposing ourselves to more challenges 
and yeah. difficulty today than maybe a decade or two ago. Uh, yet on the other hand, you know, we live in a world where expectations of the way we care for workers mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the shrunken world, the accessibility, the ease with which you can remove people temporarily, uh, move them around or, or take other measures is also higher. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, we, we work in a, uh, challenging environment but also in one where uh churches and friends and families that support uh, our workers have higher expectations that we would yeah exercise some caution and care yeah 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 it's a little different than back in the early days where and i i don't know if this is folklore if it really happened that uh you know our missionaries would pack their stuff in coffins because yeah. they Expected yeah. maybe to not. Is that true? I've I've I think always heard stories that. are true. I think there were some <laughs> yeah. people that did that. And uh, interesting. Uh, you know, that's also been a phrase that's just helped us understand the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I don't really feel like uh, missionaries today, international workers, uh, uh, grapple any less with the potential cost. Mm-hmm. But we do live in a much more mobile world. Uh, with a lot more opportunities for intervention and management of risk. Yeah. So there's just a there's a lot to consider as we uh, yeah. try to keep our feet on the ground, but also be wise about some of the very real dangers. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, as you said, you're able to, like you did in Russia, you were able to move people out and then yep. redeploy them. Yep. That's so, right. All right. So I, I, I do have some questions just about the nature of missions, the attitude towards missions in, in the yeah. church. Uh, but I, I, another question I love to ask is what do you find yourself speaking and writing about mm. the most? Well, you know, I talked about the disparity of gospel access. I, I think I, most of my speaking and writing is about, so how do we do something concrete about that? Mm-hmm. How do we really make a dent? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our context in the Alliance, uh, I wind up uh, sharing a lot about the fact that we're pretty committed in the Alliance to the fact that uh, it's, Networks of churches that rise up in previously unreached places that are the key to this thing multiplying, yeah, to the yeah. Great Commission being fulfilled. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wind up, especially in our context across the denomination that mm-hmm. uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance is, I wind up speaking and talking and writing a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, it'd be actually be a great question to ask your wife, Shelley. What what does what does Tim speak the most about? You know, she probably <laughs> hears you more than anybody else. All right, let's she, you know. Uh, Mitt, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, she every now and then says, "Wow, a new one." You know, <laughs> I actually nice. hear a new one out of you. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> my kids say that about my my kids say that about my jokes. Yeah. Occasionally, I do come up with a new one. Yeah. So you know, a lot of shifting in the. Yeah appreciation understanding of you know mission responsibility in the church uh particularly in america um how how do you view it what what um you know what's different now than maybe the way it was 20 30 years ago Mm -hmm. what encourages you about that what discourages you yeah um i think that uh you know if i could if I could kind of snap my fingers or or pray a prayer that would that would change uh, things for the better in the church, I think 
I think the thing that I would think about or pray about is um, our ability to be both and people. Mm. <laughs> I think the challenge, oh, a challenge that I see is that it's difficult for us to think about the dimensions of mission on earth. Uh, it's it's difficult for us to think about lots of things at the same time. So yeah, I, I often hear in the church, you know, is it better in mission strategy? Is it better to do this or that? Is it better to invest in these people that we can reach and then maybe they can reach others? Or ought we to be sending people far mm-hmm. at high expense? So there's a lot of either or thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think what I uh, like to stir up and what I am encouraged by when I see it is churches that recognize that, uh, you know, this is a both and mission of God. Uh, Acts 1-8 is full of the word yeah. and, yeah. not or. You know, it's not that these different segments of the world population that need to be reached uh, should be done serially or it's one or the other. God's going to equip me or our church to do to do just one or the other. I think God longs uh, to be flowing by His Spirit through the church in ways that address all of this. And so, yeah, uh, I get encouraged when I see churches that are very both and. Uh, I like to say that we don't need more churches that are, you know, a wonderful parish. Uh, that give a lot of money to missions, but that, but don't do anything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, we need to be people that recognize that, wow, all around us are pockets of folks that are not as well touched by the gospel that we can be serving, even while, you know, the ends of the earth continue to be places where uh, probably at least a third of the population of the world live outside of that circle of gospel access. So, yeah. Uh, I love both and I want to encourage both and and I'm encouraged when I see it and hear it in our churches. Yeah. And the opportunities are are much greater than they have been before in the sense of of immigrants, uh, refugees moving to, you know, locales near the church. And and that that has to be, you know, so encouraging to see, you know, local churches seeing that as a, a divine opportunity. God providentially has sent people to us. And um, and sometimes those people are sent back to their own countries. Do you find that? Is that part of the division and strategy? Yeah, but even more so, those people are relationally connected, you know, to family and loved ones in their home countries. So mm-hmm. uh, I really do think that, you know, relational connections uh, and family connections that now span the globe are, you know, uh, just another picture of God at work. Um, It's amazing to me the stories I hear when I'm in some countries and I hear about a family member that's in Europe or in the United States, or when I visit a church and uh, meet folks that are recent arrivals in the U.S. and I hear about their family, I just celebrate how God will use both kind of intentional ministry direction of his church, but also he just works through connections that naturally span the globe in unique ways in our yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great answer. Um, hey, I want to, I want to get into some, some deeper uh, issues here, you know, just mm-hmm. the, 
there, there's cultural phenomena. There's there's influence uh, on from culture in the church, and uh, you know, people, yeah. young people are being raised conflicted about so many things. And I'll I'll preface my question by, and this is a little bit off script here. So thanks for being off the cuff. Sure. <laughs> uh, I told you this would go different directions. Um, but, you know, it, it, early on in missions and, you know, our founder was was motivated and driven by the lostness of people, you know, the plight of people's souls. And um, I, you know, without getting into specifics here, there's a, a college um, that I'm somewhat connected to uh, where a professor shared, you know, particularly even even students that come in and are training in their in the, uh, you know, cross-cultural department mm-hmm. or world missions department that uh, we have to talk them into uh, a, the doctrine of the lostness of people, you know, the, the mm-hmm. reality of hell. And uh, yeah. so, that, you know, how, how do you view that and what are you seeing the, uh, in regard to that and how, because again, the, the, the yeah. you know, so much of what we're doing is good, you know, social justice, the, the plight of people's physical needs. Uh, but the heart of it, we're, you know, we're spiritual people. We have an eternity that's at stake here, you know? Um, right. So yeah. What kind of conversations do you all have around the coffee table in the national office mm-hmm. about things like that? Well, you know, um, in our own culture and in global cult- culture, to some extent, uh, the, the great, rise of value uh, in our lifetime has been, you know, the the respect of the individual. Um, and so many things are viewed as uh, relative to the choice of the individual. And that's kind of a, you know, that kind of changes the playing field in which we yeah, live in yeah. the gospel. Uh, it all, it, it, it becomes, um, you know, it, it's easy for uh, for us today to feel like we're almost uh, impinging on somebody's rights to feel like we can impact their view of spiritual reality. Mm, mm. Um, it can feel rude. You know, it, yeah, it just yeah. can feel like, well, I don't know how. Uh, it, I might even be pretty convinced uh, uh, that people... Uh, need to hear Jesus, or I might at least be very convinced uh, that Jesus is real. I see what he's done in my life. I see what he's done in the lives of others. I want to share that story. I want to share that hope. But, it, but you know, in today's context, it can feel rude. It can feel yeah. uh, um, uh, it can feel impersonal. Um, and, and I think what happens is we, we lose sight <laughs> of the fact that um, uh, what everybody in the world needs is opportunity and Mm -hmm. choice. Uh, So, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people that uh, say, you know, what, what produces the audacity that you ought to go over there and tell them that you think they need to believe things the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and obviously at the bedrock of that is some conviction about what amounts to truth and where does truth come from. Um, but in those conversations with people that 
that may question the role of missions as being inappropriate uh, and anti-humanitarian, uh, I find myself asking the question, no, wait a minute. You've probably informed your own opinions about the Christian message and or other religious messages out of an awareness that creates an opportunity for you to think and choose. Mm-hmm. And are you saying to me that you you don't really believe others should have that opportunity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's helpful in these conversations. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, it really so is a any... conviction about a conviction about truth and where it comes from. Yeah. Well, no, uh, in conviction our... about God's word, uh, and couple that with uh, the understanding that hey, what's fair and and respectful to people today is for them to have the opportunity to make choices that I've been given the opportunity mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. yeah. Then I think we can get over that hump. Does that yeah. make sense? It does. And I remember when my uh, growing up in Papua, where my parents were missionaries, uh, you know, the, the, uh, some anthropologists would come and, and, you know, study the people and would stay with us. And, and there, there were always, there was always that tension of like, you're, you're really disrupting their way of life. And, right. and, uh, and that, but, but then they saw the, the, the you know, the benefit, the healthcare and the, uh, you know, uh, t- teaching them how to take care of themselves better. You know, people were only living to 40 back then, and now they're, mm-hmm. you know, living 50, 60 years old. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, at the, at the heart of this, I, I think uh, where, where I find myself reflecting on this, and I think needs to be the emphasis in in preaching and as well as teaching and in our institutions is that, you know, when someone says, you know, who who are we to think we should go and, and change someone's thinking. Well, uh, our creator did that. You know, he 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 went cross-cultural. He came down here and he yeah. saw the desperate need that we had to be rescued out of out of uh, you know captivity. And right. uh and so you know I think sometimes that's a good thing to point out. And well but but God- yeah it's Go ahead. The gospel itself is disruptive, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. And thank God that it is. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if our lives hadn't been disrupted by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, where would we be? Yeah. So, yeah, we can't escape the fact that it 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 is disruptive uh, for a individual or for a culture to to say, "Wait a minute, the, here's." Here's something I haven't considered before, um, but is that disruption uh, that which will increase uh, their freedom of choice? I think is uh, a way I try to help people in today's world understand it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if we're committed to an understanding of God's truth revealed in uh, his word through the Bible, then then I think uh, we're even more compelled that, wow, that disruption is for the benefit uh, of the of the life of the individual. Yeah, ultimately it is. Yeah, and, he, and that circle's been, is, is tightened some when you consider families that uh, were, where there's, you know, a desperate burden for someone who's a prodigal or in a lifestyle that uh, we don't agree with, that the gospel uh, addresses that. And, and if we're too tentative because we don't want to disrupt, well, ultimately... Uh, I, I think, you know, preaching the gospel at home uh, 
it gives an, as you said, an opportunity for people right. to to understand the you know the the reality of God's love and how that can be right. free from things. And I, you know, I the raising kids to and you know just to encourage parents who might be listening. Uh, you know, to speak uh, easily about, uh, you know, the lostness of people to their children. You know, I do this with my granddaughter and she, mm. her, her big thing, she's seven years old and her big thing is so-and-so Christian and so-and-so Christian. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and when she finds out someone's not, you know, particularly in the family, she's heartbroken. And, uh, and so that, that's investing mm-hmm. into a young person, a, a heart for missions that, uh, that that starts close to home, so yeah. Well, great, yeah, great That's conversation right. on that. Uh, That's right. You know, my kids' generation uh, uh, is wonderfully connected to um, the importance of justice. Mm-hmm. They want to see. They want to see that people have opportunity. They want to see that justice is served. And, you know, I, I spoke yeah. early on in this call about my passion for uh, regarding the disparity of access to the gospel. I actually feel like one of the biggest injustices that exists uh, and the one with eternal consequences is lack of opportunity to make uh, a decision about the Christian message. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I, I think there are ways to, to reframe our understanding uh, in today's world where there's a lot of emphasis on fairness and justice uh, and compassion, uh, we, we got to remember that um, it's not very compassionate for people to be left up of life-changing uh, opportunity. Yeah. So we're going to be sharing the gospel. Uh, we want to be correcting that uh, great injustice of lack of opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, and I know, I know when we were going through this couple couple of years ago. Again, so much is is a fad in our culture, but uh, uh, you know the 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 intense focus on social justice a few years ago, uh, I think, really challenged us to not separate, uh, you know, our obligation to present the gospel, yeah. but but maybe see that as uh, you know bet bettering mm-hmm. the wrong in people's lives or in in community around us is is part of the gospel um yeah. do you see do you see an imbalance though, well, listen, that, that becomes the end uh rather than the means of of preaching the gospel to the lost yeah well i wanted to say i hope i i hope it's not a fad um i hope that we will continue to be passionate about justice uh, I think the, our creator uh, is passionate about human justice and Jesus is passionate about human justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we've we got to help uh, one another in the church and we've got to speak beyond the church uh, to the fact that uh, within uh, a respect for justice for humans around the world is uh, their opportunity to be able to make similar choices regarding faith that we've been given the opportunity to make ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I feel uh, that uh, these two belong together. Yeah, uh, I feel like uh, the the word of truth about the gospel uh, and addressing a human need or addressing justice issues. I've I feel like it's it's kind of like the roots and fruits 
uh, of a tree. You know, they're they're both integral to the tree. Uh, a tree isn't alive without both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't matter whether you start with roots or start with fruits. Um, what matters is that both are communicated. Both yeah. are yeah, expressed that's good. and lived out. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Talk talk a little bit about uh, from your perspective. What are some of the hard places to reach today, and and how how are yeah. you all? How are we struggling with you know this mandate to reach every you know, peoples, people groups and nations. Yeah. Uh, you know, does it seem like us? Yeah, you know, I, I said one earlier, step I, forward, two steps back sometimes. <laughs> well, no, I, I think um, I said earlier that the uh, the the places remaining, that the people of the world who remain unreached, remain unreached uh, for a reason, and that's that mm. they're hard to reach. Uh, many of the less, I, I, I wouldn't want to make any era <laughs> or chapter or um, part of uh, world evangelization, I wouldn't want to make uh, light of uh, it by calling it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you grew mm-hmm. up in Papua where you were. There was a lot about that that wasn't easy. Um, at the same time, I do want to say, wow, some of the some of the places that remain and some of the peoples that have yet to be reached do so because it's really hard to reach them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is sort of a characteristic of the days that we live in. That, so, what part of the world today are are the hardest to reach? I think I think that the hardest places are places where the culture includes. Uh, in its sense of identity, a commitment to one of the other major world religions. Yeah, yeah. So the Muslim cultures. So the Muslim cultures, the Hindu cultures, and the Buddhist cultures are probably the three, uh, you know, in that category that uh, remain uh, today, uh, many of them, not well reached, um, but it's that it's that um, sense of hey, part of our very identity is millennia of adherence, or at least centuries of adherence to this particular uh, religion that's seen as one of the you know five great world religions. It has a lot of credibility and it has a it has a a huge power uh, to form. A cultural identity that's resistant to the gospel and that can feel the need to repel uh, people that uh, represent the gospel. Yeah. Those those yeah. become the hardest places to, yeah. to live in. Do you, do you find that with the innovations today that you don't necessarily need to send people to those places? Uh, I mean, what what is, for example, the Christian Missionary Alliance doing to be creative, to access those places through other yeah. means. Yeah. Well, um, actually, and maybe this is just part of our own uh, heritage, uh, our own legacy, but we're we're really pretty committed to the idea that at the end of the day, it takes the presence of Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are able to leverage a media 
um, and especially um, uh, via the internet today uh, in remarkable ways Mm -hmm. compared to past uh, means of communicating through media. So, yeah, there's a lot of leveraging of media done. But at the end of the day, um, what's uh, the strongest uh, evidence, actually, that that word evidence is a word that Jesus used in Acts 1.8 when he tells us to go to the even the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. He, he says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my evidence. That's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Greek word is the is the root of the word martyr. Uh, which long before it came to mean one who actually suffers and could die for expression, uh, its root meaning is evidence. And Jesus says, you know, living living it out is the best evidence. So we're pretty committed to that idea. Yeah, I love but that. But you know, Mitch, the, the presence, the, the needed presence of the faithful follower of Jesus uh, doesn't necessarily mean that person has to be from the United States or yeah, from one yeah. particular part of the world. So we actually see what we see in the Christian and Missionary Alliance today is that the opportunities God is giving for impact in some of these hard places come as different peoples of the world are now engaged in wonderful ways in God's mission. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me, the places that don't like my U.S. passport but that welcome uh, our brothers and sisters that come with a passport from another country mm-hmm. with, with whom they have more friendly relationships. And it's that it's that multiplying of the people of God on mission with God around the world is where I really see uh, the opportunities for uh, some for people that that live in some of these harder places or uh, uh, more resistant societies to be impacted by the gospel. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, I only have a few minutes left here. I'm going to skip some of the questions because it could end up being a, a longer conversation than, than the time we have. Um, talk a little bit about it because there's, again, such a high commitment to to those who work for you, who have been sent out. Um, what, what are the reasons uh, missionaries come home? How has that taught you? Uh, you yeah. know how to how to care for them. Uh, yep. So yeah, just just maybe process that for a few minutes, okay. and then we'll wrap up. You know, um, we were just talking about uh, living in hard places and living with challenge, and um, you know, just the wear and tear of living in a place where you may not be appreciated by many people. That can wear uh, you out for sure. Yeah, so that has a lot of impact on people, but. But Mitch, despite that baseline that's kind of part of uh, this chapter that we live in, um, I also think I want to say that it's it's seasons of life that uh, I'm finding impact uh, the coming and going of missionaries today. Mm. Um, two things in particular, um, and when they come together, boy, they really impact. We we lose a lot of people when these two come together. And the two are uh, my children's uh, transition to adulthood mm-hmm. and my parents' journey into later years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we live in a world today, again, we're, we're very connected in our world today. And uh, it, it, it can seem... Uh, unreasonable to not 
uh, invest in my kids' navigation into adulthood in this challenging world we live in, uh, and or into my parents' needs in their elderly mm-hmm. years. And so that's actually kind of impacting the way people think of lengths of careers. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. That yeah, and that's that's sense. changed a lot from generations of, yeah. of missionaries in, in the past. Okay, um, just a fun question here to wrap up. If if our roles were reversed, what one what one question <laughs> would you ask me if I was doing what you do? <laughs> I think well. Uh, I'm afraid to ask you because then maybe you'll a- ask me to answer it, but <laughs> give it a try. <laughs> uh, I would want to ask um, what could make uh, what could make uh, effectiveness in missions better in the future than it has been in the past mm. uh, yeah, or, or some kind of question about, you know, hey, how can we stay in step with God and really see uh, fruit ahead? Yeah, uh, I think I, sometimes I, we labor with the sense that maybe the fruitful days are behind us, but yeah. I want to believe they're hidden. I, I think the church and the family uh, should continue to have, I think we've slipped away from it, but uh, ongoing conversations about the gospel that, that uh, you know, that we need to be reminded ourselves of the gospel daily. And if we if we are daily overwhelmed with that story and what... Jesus did for us by by dying on the cross and there at the cross. I always put it this way: a trade took place. I gave him my sin; he gave me his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about this the ongoing telling of that story that I think causes the heart to beat for uh, those around us who who don't know that story. Yeah, and um, and this is why I encourage parents to to continuously have that conversation. And uh, and for the pastor, to, Mitch, I think uh, you right. know. So so then missions is not just a once a year thing. It's uh, the once a year when the missionary shows up. It's to celebrate what we keep telling you is is our heart. You know. So that that's how I would answer that's right. that. That's right. Missions is really the overflow of our joy in salvation, and so we want to keep each generation close to the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah some experience. people have say the whole the whole goal is to make us worshipers, you know, to restore us as worshipers of God. Yeah. So, well, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, we, we covered a lot and you did a wonderful job articulating, uh, you know, your heart and, and I've heard your heart. I appreciate what's in your heart and may the, well, may the Lord just continue to bless you as you, uh, as you serve him where you are. Mitch, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Thanks for uh, for inviting me. And I want to thank you for uh, the way you minister to folks, including many of our own. You know, we Man, talked today about challenges you. that mm-hmm. yeah. face. And uh, thank you for a role you play in helping some of them navigate those tough days. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. the chance to be with you today. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you so much, Tim. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we've talked about, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. 
He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. <laughs>